Welcome to the Innovations in Anti-Aging Living Show with Dr. Ann Trong. Here's where we'll explore how to live your best life with stem cells. Listen in to hear key opinion leaders, mentors, motivators, and other guests discuss about stem cells innovations. Stem cells will redefine medicine. This show will lead you to slow down aging and thrive to live the life you've always wanted to live. Hosted by Dr. Ann Trong, the international best-selling author of Erectile Dysfunction Fix Using PRP to Treat ED. And she has been recognized as Entrepreneur of the Year. This podcast is sponsored by the Trong Rehabilitation Center. Visit Dr. Ann Trong at trongrehab.com. That's T-R-U-O-N-G rehab.com. Or call her today at 540-374-3164. That's 540-374-3164. We're going to talk with Dr. Tommy Bond. He is, is the president of the AOM, which is American Association of Orthopedic Medicine. Thank you for being here. I am honored to interview you. I've known you several years, and I've known your career, and I'm I'm delighted for you to be here today with us. Thank you for having me, Anne. I'd like the listener to kind of know who is Dr. Tommy Bond, and where did he come from? Okay, well, you know, I am originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, born and raised outside in a smaller town there, and um, grew up as an athlete, playing football and basketball and running track, and the typical South Louisiana type of guy, hunting and fishing and, and having a good time and enjoying uh, athletics. And so I knew at the age of 10 years old that I was going to be a sports medicine physician. And when I tell this story, most people think that's, well, man, you've got to be kidding at 10. No one knows what they're going to do at 10. Uh, but I was at a, a football game with my dad, and it was a playoff, high school playoff game. And the quarterback dropped back for a pass, and he got crushed by the by the linebacker that was blitzing, and he goes down, and the crowd goes hushed and quiet, and and it was freezing cold, and the, this man, this this man that was in a suit, walked out on the field. Crowd is quiet, and he reaches down and assesses the quarterback and gets him up, and and starts walking to the sideline. The whole crowd is clapping and you know happy that the kid is alive and 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 uh is going to be able to keep playing and i remember at that moment 10 years old i looked at my dad and i said i want to be that guy and my dad said oh you want to play quarterback i said no dad i want to be that other guy who was the team physician and so from that time i i just knew in my head that i was going to be a a sports medicine physician and and just stayed on that path and achieved that goal from LSU Medical Center in New Orleans. I did have a few detours before that. I went to vet school for a year, and then I went to graduate school for two years for a PhD in physiology. I uh, ended up getting out with a master's and then going moving to Aspen, Colorado for ski school. So I'm very well educated. Now let's get back to that. Now after undergrad, how come you wanted to be a vet? Well, actually, I didn't want to be a vet. I was involved in some really interesting obesity research with an endocrinologist who I was doing undergraduate honors research with, a guy named Albert Meyer, who subsequently went on to Harvard and to work in industry. But at that time, it was incredibly interesting to me using circadian rhythm variations to, to help people lose weight. And, you know, we talk about living your best life. Well, you know, weight loss is essential because metabolic syndrome and having too much weight is a is a really big problem in our society, and it seems to be spreading all over the world. I believe that to be a common denominator for arthritis pain, heart disease, diabetes. And so really, for our country to live its best life, we've got to lose some weight. We've got to get more active, and we've got to lose some weight. So let's go back a little bit, and I like to kind of deconstruct what transform you to be who you are. So you went to vet school for a year. Was that for obesity? For the well, it was, it was what, what happened is I had graduated. This was a real interesting research project such that the guy that I was working for seemingly had found the cure for obesity, which was obviously massive. And so I wanted to stay involved with that, mm. uh, directly involved. And so I went to vet school 
as a non-matriculating student, graduate student, because he was on, he was in the vets, uh, the veterinary faculty. And so that's how that happened. Now I took all the first year vet school courses and, and performed very well. And a piece of me, you know, a small piece of me, I'm an animal lover. So I, I thought maybe that's what I should do. But my, my brain was still focused on being a sports medicine physician. So what happened after that one year of vet school? This professor moved to Harvard and I was not invited to on that move. And so what I wanted to do was to go ahead and, and continue the research. And so I did that at the University of Arkansas Medical School under a, another professor that had some similar types of ideas. And so I entered into a Ph.D. program there. You got the PhD? In physiology and biophysics. No, no. I, so what happened at, at that point after I was taking all those courses with the med students and making A's, I decided, well, wait, why even I'm, I'm in here with the medical students and I'm, I'm doing great. Why not just go to med school now instead of later? It's been my dream. It's still what I want to do. It's still the end game. So let's just do it. And then retook the, the MCAT and did well and was accepted to each school I applied to, with the exception that I would finish, either finish the PhD program or have my professor release me with a letter saying that he is he's released from his duties with me. And so that discussion with my major professor was that, you know, you you've already done all your PhD coursework. You know, it'd be a shame to let you out with a master's, but you probably won't be able to get the PhD thesis and dissertation work done in 18 months, which is when I was, my med school acceptance was to start. So at that point, I didn't want to risk the getting, you know, that med school class. So I just got out with the master's and that's at that, at that point I had a master's in biophysics and physiology. And so what do you do with that? You move to Aspen and, and enjoy yourself and, and practice some sports medicine on yourself. Basically, I, you know, I was a, a a ski bum for a year before I knew I was going into medical school. So I just decided I would have some ski school. So where did you go for medical? LSU in New Orleans. Okay. And then what happened after that? I went into a family medicine residency in Charlotte, North Carolina for three years. And then after that did a sports medicine fellowship at Duke University in Durham. And then subsequently was hired as the chief of sports medicine for LSU Medical Center in New Orleans. And so moved back to New Orleans and was the chief there uh, with fellowship program for sports medicine. And, and it was really doing well and going great. And then three years later, Katrina hit. And so we went through that whole Hurricane Katrina process in New Orleans, which was pretty tough. And it was it was that transition and that time period that that I decided to really move more into private practice and regenerative medicine. It was actually in 2005, the year of Hurricane Katrina, that I did my first prolotherapy training session, regenerative medicine injection session. How did Katrina affect you? You know, Hurricane Katrina was challenging. It was, it affected me in that understanding that you have to have resolve and you have to be persistent. Things happen in your life, things will happen that are negative and things will happen for for seemingly no reason. And it will be very frustrating when people say, well, you know, things happen for a reason. But retrospectively, God always has a plan. And so I see it as being the the way for me to enter into this aspect of my life, this regenerative medicine, private practice. You know, I was the first physician to bring regenerative medicine to Louisiana, performed the first ultrasound-guided PRP, the first ultrasound-guided bone marrow stem cell, fat stem cells, et cetera, et cetera. I can go on and on about that. But So if it weren't for Katrina, you probably wouldn't have done prolotherapy? Or were you kind of on that track? I was anyway? absolutely on that track anyway. I mean, it was going to happen. Whether if I was going to have to leave academic life, to do it, well, then that was going to happen. And there's a reason for that. Incredibly, incredibly passionate about this space because of my personal story. So 
I, I told you before that I was at Duke when I was asked to come to interview for the chief sports medicine position in New Orleans. You think I may have taken this as a as a bad omen, but when I was there in New Orleans, I was with some old friends going to to get some some crawfish and beer, and and we were in a, a severe car accident. It was a, a T-bone type accident, and I had a, a pretty severe neck whiplash, and as well as low back, and somehow still made it through the interview and got the job. But I, since that time, had pretty severe chronic pain, and the the thing that has helped me both avoid two major surgeries. I was told by orthopedics that I needed a a fusion surgery in my neck and in my low back. And thank God I found regenerative medicine because knock on wood, it has been since the, that that was in 2002 and we're now in 2019. So you can do the math and that I've avoided surgery for 17 years. And that's likely career ending surgery to have two fusions done. Statistically, I wouldn't be a doctor. I wouldn't be where I am today had I had those surgeries. Wow, that's pretty heavy. So even before Katrina in 05 in 2002, like you said, some, sometimes things happen for uh, for a reason. And, and, you know, your car accident, you know, resulted in your chronic pain. If it wasn't for your chronic pain, you probably wouldn't have, you know, found regenerative medicine. That's correct. So, you know, one, one step of our life lead to another step. That's correct. That sometimes we think is probably a bad thing, but it may not be. That's right. Right? So when you had this pain, tell the listener, what did you do? What was the first thing you found out that to help you with this pain that you have when your neck and low back pain? So the one thing was to, and this was way back then, no one was really talking about anti-inflammatory diets. But that was one of the things that I did that seemed to help. And I cannot take credit for that. The credit for that would go to my lovely wife, Anne, who is much more health conscious in in regards to nutrition uh, at that time than I was. So that was one piece. And the so other, what's an anti-inflammatory diet? So really, it's a it's it's a misnomer because inflammation is actually good, as we as you of course know. For the listener, chronic inflammation is bad, but inflammation was made by God who made us. It has a purpose. Right. So so the reason your ankle swells when you turn it is because you're made that way. That is the first step of the healing process. And therefore, to heal, you must inflame. The, the, what I like to tell patients is, you know, your infl- inflammatory system is part of your healing system. It's almost like your fire alarm in your house. The fire alarm is a good thing. It protects you, it protects you and your family. But it's a bad thing if it's going off every night at 2 a.m., and there's no smoke or fire, right? So that would be called chronic inflammation. If, if, the, if the fire alarm is chronically going off, well, it's going off for a reason. So we have to find what that reason is. So inflammation in your body is simply your immune system's response to some smoke or fire somewhere. Typically, toxic chemicals or free radicals, free radical damage, uh, oxidative stress, most likely, is is the biggest the biggest way that that attacks our body is oxidation, as as a consequence of us breathing air. We breathe in oxygen and produce water and CO two on exhale, and so if you, you know just do the math, there's two oxygens coming in and three coming out. Well, that doesn't really that doesn't seem to make mathematical sense, and it doesn't. And what that means is you produce every breath you take. You're producing damage, a damaging oxygen radical, and that's what oxidative stress is. And biochemically, we have to deal with that. And so it's super important to be able to deal with oxidative stress by having a competent immune system, by having the right nutrition, by having the right micronutrition with with vitamins and supplements and, and exercise, stress reduction, of course, hormonal balance. So when when we're talking about all these things, this was not in my head back in 2002. This was not part of of who I am now. And I had to learn these things because I knew that I couldn't have surgery or my career would be over. My life would be dramatically changed. 
And so I started researching and started becoming quite passionate about these things. And, and honestly, er, that early in those early couple of years, what I found to help the most was a dietary change, stress reduction. Uh, I did yoga. My wife uh, asked me to do yoga and that helped my back tremendously and prolotherapy. I mean, that's what, that is what allowed me to avoid having these surgeries done. Can you tell us about prolotherapy? What is it? So prolotherapy is, is a, is a surgical injection technique and prolos means to, means to proliferate or to stimulate. Therapy, of course, is, people know what that is. But it's a, a surgical injection technique in which we inject proliferative substances that are that stimulate your own body's immune system to heal itself. So prolotherapy is, is, is kind of short for proliferation injection therapy. We now like to use the term regenerative injection therapy because there are so many different solutions that we are using to stimulate healing, which is turning on your body's own immune system. So there are things like platelet-rich plasma and stem cells. Stem cells are very hot right now. Exosomes and amniotic tissues and grafts and fat grafts and all these different things that are different stimulating solutions that we can put in someone's body directly at an injury site and recruit their own immune system to come in and heal that area. So what else did you do? We're going to go back to the prolotherapy and the regenerative therapy, but so you had prolotherapy and that has kept you working all these years. And so, then, so, yeah, I can give you a little more background yeah. and context on that. What, what happened, I, I was really in a bad place when, when I realized that everything I'd been taught was turned on its head, that inflammation wasn't terrible, that every time you see someone that had any inflammation, you should put them on Celebrex or you should put them on an anti-inflammatory. Well, that is precisely not what we need to be doing. And, and that, that blew me away. I was trained at Duke where everything should be evidence-based and, you, you know, there's guidelines and all these things. And, and all of that went out the window. And it went out of the window because it was my own body, my own feeling, my own pain was being relieved with this other solution that the academic world said was, was quackery and ridiculous. But I could not deny my own feeling. And so what were the facts? The facts were that I had, I had, had absolute known damage by exam, on, by imaging studies, by my, the way I felt. And, of course, I went down the normal standard pathway. Anti-inflammatories didn't help. Steroid injections didn't help. And so the last step, they said, was surgery. Physical therapy didn't help. Last step was surgery. And I was at the time was 32 years old and said, there's just no way. I mean, I'm I'm just starting my life. This life that I knew was intended for me. Right. This was from God. I was supposed to do this. Or, or was that all just a lie? You know, I was really con conflicted until I had prolotherapy. The first time I had it from Carl Osborne in Honduras, I knew it was it was as if it, it was touching my soul. It, it absolutely, intuitively, physically, mentally, emotionally, I knew that I was on the right track. So how many sessions did you have and how long did it take for you to recover and feel like you're back to yourself again? Oh, well, with the back, it was one treatment. The neck took a couple of treatments. And because I lived in Louisiana and there was no one there that... that that did this procedure, I would only, I was only able to do it when we saw each other at annual meetings like this one. And, and so that is, that's precisely how I recovered. But just after that one treatment, I was way better and able to work without any difficulties. Now, you know, I did need, that was, that was many years ago. And so I've had treatments since then, but you know, knock on wood, still no surgery. So prolotherapy, all you require is just one treatment and it can reduce your pain that significantly? It did for me. Now, do you see that often in your patient? Yes. Depending on the severity of disease, of course, and the, the severity of their whole con you know, mental 
emotional and actual metabolic constitution. You know, people that people that aren't living their best life aren't uh, aren't going to heal as well. So specifically, people that that are under high stress, that don't manage that well, that they don't sleep well, they're they're not properly hydrated, they're not. They're not properly nourished on both a macro and micro perspective, and they're not hormonally optimized. Those people are, are going to be a much more difficult patient. They're going to require much more regenerative type of therapies. And I've actually gotten to the point where the, a lot of those type of patients I won't do. I'll say, listen, you know, and we have to get you straight first. You're you are a CEO. You are running around working 16 hour days you have a very high stress life you're not you're eating crap you're not taking care of yourself and so your body is not ready to take on another another project so if i am going to put some stem cells you know if i'm going to do a stem cell procedure on you and tap your bone marrow and and this is these are invasive procedures and it they require your body to pay attention and to be part of this healing process. So if your body is already, your immune system is like an army. And if you've already, if you've only got three divisions of your, of your army and two of them are already completely overwhelmed with stress, with oxidative stress, toxic nourishment or lack thereof, with poor sleep, without the inability to, to regenerate on its own, then by me, Adding, let's say we're going to do a stem cell procedure on your knee. You don't, you don't have any any immune system left to come down and and take a look and try to help help out. You're already maxed out. Just living this this toxic American syndrome is what I call it. Um, I tell my patients it's, we are, we are all infected with this Americanism, which so, is both a blessing and a curse sometimes. We use the term regenerative therapy a lot. So can you deconstruct that to, to our listeners to understand what that is like, what would that mean? So if in your definition of regenerative therapy, you mean both regenerative medicine slash functional medicine, age management medicine, as well as interventional, or are you talking mainly interventional? Interventional. Okay. So, you know, I like the term which I coined about five years ago of IROM, the acronym. So it's Interventional Regenerative Orthopedic Medicine. Now, it's a little bit constricting because it's only orthopedic. And now we, of course, know in the last five five years, we've expanded to do more aesthetics. You, you taught me some aesthetics things and 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 even um, sexual health. So there, are, these are not just orthopedic. These are other regenerative type therapies. The concepts are very basic. The concepts are that your body, this this wonderful, incredible machine, this universe called the human body, has within it entire systems devoted to healing damaged pieces of your body. And this is big parts of your immune system are literally running around every single second of your life healing damage. So what the concepts of regenerative medicine are. Regardless of we're talking orthopedics, sports, cardiology, aesthetic age management, uh, sexual health, all of these things, the concept's the same. And the concept is to turn on your healing system that will come into that area and we like to say regenerate, but basically it's just repairing. So if you, if you, or a, or a um, interior designer like my mother, you know, she will say, oh, look, this this wallpaper is dated. So we need to we need to fix it. Well, by fixing it, you, that means you strip off the old wallpaper and you put some new one in there that you like. The body does the same thing, a very similar type of thing when it comes to, say, a tendon that that is degenerated and it is aging and we want to heal it well you can say well are we regenerating well yes you are of course you are see this is the difference between a proliferant substance which is one that actually causes proliferation of new tissues and other substances that are more caustic 
that actually likes something called sclerotherapy, which is still used. And that means you're using a sclerosant, a very toxic substance that will cause scarring. Instead of new tissue being formed, it causes scar tissue to be formed. This is the same thing with, with these poor patients that are being told they need to have radiofrequency burning or ablation of certain tissues. And what happens there is you're, you're, you're literally sclerosing. You're just using, you're, you're using electricity or intense heat as the, as the toxic or caustic okay. substance. So, you know, regenerative therapies are, regardless of the system we're talking about, are employed to, to regenerate and heal old or damaged tissue and have it be repaired with new functional tissue. That's the key. It doesn't matter if you heal something if it's not functional. So we want the tissue to be functional, not just closed if there's a hole there. If you close it and it's a scar, well, that's not going to help you any. We want functional tissue. Scars are not functional tissue. There's nowhere in the body that scars are functional, or at least not as functional as they they could be or could have been. So with all these new and exciting therapy that's available to help repair and heal us, who do you know who to see? How would you recommend the listener to choose the right uh, practitioner provider for this service? Most unfortunately, there are um, people that have entered this regenerative medicine space with not the best of intentions. And these are people who have not been well-trained. These are people who, who I call Johnny-come-latelys that go to some weekend course and think they understand what they're doing. And they oftentimes will employ procedures that really don't even have a, a chance to work. And the patient's really being scammed. And there's a, there's a lot of this going around. So the first thing that I would say to the patient, if specifically in the musculoskeletal or orthopedic realm, if you are considering having any type of regenerative procedure, 100% you should go to the AAOM's website because you can be guaranteed that those folks have been trained correctly because I'll vouch for, I've trained them. <laughs> and, and what is that website again? That is the, the AAOM, the American Association of Orthopedic Medicine, and it, the website is www.aaomed.org, aomed.org. And there's a list of physician providers from all over the United States and Canada, Mexico. You know, we have multiple countries represented in our organization. You know, and we're an academic organization. This is, we, we do research. We, we try to prove or disprove these regenerative therapies because we want the best for our patients. Most unfortunately, again, there are a lot of scams going around with with uh, non-traditional practitioners, such as chiropractors, that may be offering stem cells. Well, one thing that you should, as a patient, recognize is that if, if someone is all of a sudden offering stem cells, why weren't they doing it 10 years ago? Why weren't they doing it 20 years ago? That is the, the biggest red flag I think a patient can have is that if, a, if someone is new and they're starting, if they're brand new to regenerative medicine and they're, and they're offering you stem cells, then that should be a huge red flag because true stem cell therapy, as you know, can only be done legally in the United States by tapping bone marrow. What I mean by that is if if this person who is offering you a stem cell procedure tells you that they have stem cells that that aren't yours, that they can just thaw out and give to you, they are absolutely 100% breaking the law. So what type of questions should an informed patient ask when they go see a practitioner for possible regenerative therapy treatment? Great question. So first is, is the, the, I think the first question that, that will end the, end the visit immediately if the, pay, if the doctor answers incorrectly, and that is when you tell me that you're going to do, that you can offer me stem cells, you're talking about my own stem cells, correct? 
If the answer is no, the patient should leave. And let me explain why. The FDA has made it abundantly clear that there are no stem cells in, there's no live stem cell commercially available product in this country. So either the physician is lying to you, which is called fraud, so maybe he or she really believes that there are stem cells in this syringe or in this little vial that he has that he bought from some representative who may have may have told him lies or he doesn't understand he truly just doesn't understand regenerative medicine anyone who has been in this space and been paying attention and getting real academic information from from societies like us or the or there's some other good societies as well they understand that this is a massive problem. The FDA's definition of, of your stem cells are that they're a drug. Let me, let me say that again. Your patients who are listening, your, your own stem cells are a drug that are owned by pharmaceutical companies unless we take, take them out of you and put them back into you within the same day. So any allergenic graft or processed placental product or amniotic or umbilical cord cells that that are that people are pushing now they by definition if they do indeed have cells they're a drug and you're breaking the law you and the doctor are breaking the law because if they're not your own that we're taking out of you and put back into you on the same day then you're breaking the law it's a drug any other questions would you want the patient to ask Okay, so if, if the answer is no, they should leave for the reasons I just stated. If the answer is yes, then, then they should feel good about asking, how were you trained? What societies are you a member of? What type of coursework have you done to become competent at this procedure? Now, if, if a physician takes offense to that, then you'd have to ask yourself why. Why would they be offended about defending themselves as being competent in a relatively new and cutting-edge procedure? So a well-informed patient certainly has the right to ask some basic questions. You know, I mean, so oftentimes patients will ask, "Well, how many how many of these procedures have you done?" And that's a that's a good that's also a good question, but. More importantly is competency, and it's, it's a very difficult thing to measure objectively. And I, I honestly don't think you, you don't, as a patient, want to ask a doctor if they're competent because, of course, they're going to feel like they are. They wouldn't offer it to you. But, but, you know, the thing that I'm, the questions I like patients to ask are ones in which I know they've done their homework and they're trying to protect themselves from scammers because is most unfortunate as this is for a, for a man who's dedicated his life the last 20 years to this this business this this space of medicine it is highly unfortunate to say that that there are more scammers out there right now in the United States than there are legitimate regenerative physicians. Yes, and we're actually noticing that nationwide. So I'm glad that you have uh, give guidance to um, our listeners on questions to ask. And I hope that uh, you all will take note of that. So what are your favorite things you love to do in your business? What what makes you things that you do in your business yes, that yes, you yes. come to work for and say, yes, yes, I'm, this is why I'm doing it? Yeah, no question is regenerative medicine. And I break up my regenerative practice into two, two basic two to three sides. So, my w w another way to answer is, what are my passions? What am I passionate about? And there's no question, I am super passionate about helping people in pain and healing their pain, and with regenerative techniques. The second thing is what some people would call anti-aging or age management. I I like the word vitality. I like the word longevity. So those are words that, that I try to talk about, talk to my patients about. And so it's a comprehensive plan. Uh, some of the things I mentioned earlier, proper hydration, proper sleep, most importantly, stress management, 
most importantly, exercise, macronutrition, micronutrition, hormone optimization. These things are critical, critical. And I absolutely love when I mean, if, if, you know, besides doing procedures, my absolute favorite thing is to take a man or a woman and really both a married couple who are having difficulties. And it's because all because of the American syndrome and what the American syndrome is, is when people live this American life where the, the acquisition of bigger and bigger materials climbing the, the, the corporate ladder have become more important than their, than their own life experience. And what happens is they become incredibly stressed out. They have poor sleep. They have poor sex. They have poor relationship, poor communication. Their bodies start going down a, a downward spiral to dishealth. And it's very difficult for them to recognize it as they, their goals are to continue up the ladder of the American dream. And it becomes quite evident to me. You hear people going into a quote unquote midlife crisis. What happened to Anne? Oh gosh, she's hit her midlife crisis and she's, she has left her husband and she's going off to Tahiti to, 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 with us, with a surfer. Well, that's not rational behavior. It's, it's not rational thinking. And so what I believe at least part of the midlife crisis is, is that the American syndrome has knocked down this person so, so much in their, in their pursuit of, of this American dream, more and more and more, more money, more materials, more country clubs, more houses, cars, jewelry, whatever it is, more, more, more. And we lose sight of what's important. And that is our health, our relationships, our family. This is, in my opinion, why we have so many, so many issues in the mid thirties to forties. And how can you help them get their vitality longevity? So the first thing is, is just an assessment because again, most unfortunately, a lot of these people, especially particularly women, no offense to the men, but particularly women are much more self-aware and intuitive about their own state of being from a health perspective. So there, a woman will tell you, I am fatigued. Something's not right. And unfortunately they may be told by their OBGYN or by their primary care doctor that they're depressed or they're just going through the change and they just need some Prozac. These neuroleptic or psycho psychotropic drugs are, are, are in the top 10 every single year. And we have more people on antidepressants than we have on, on insulin, for God's sake. I mean, this is, this is really, really uh, a sad state of affairs. And women especially, they have the intuition of that something is wrong. And, and God bless them, they don't give up. At least some of them don't. And they'll go to six, seven doctors, and then they'll come to us. And I'll just listen. And what I hear is a woman who is struggling with this American syndrome of being a professional, a business owner, a mother, a spouse, a lover, you know, a, 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 a corporate CEO trying to do all these things, trying to be a soccer mom and a corporate CEO at the same time, trying to be a, a, a wife who, who is attentive to her husband, all of these things, the pressures are immense. And what happens is, again, women, not to knock them in, but women especially will put themselves last. And everything else in their life takes precedent and their health goes to pot. And so the first piece of the healing is to have them recognize two things. One, your self-sacrifice and their, therefore self-destruction was not in vain. It was beautiful, actually. And that's critical for them to understand because the, the path they take from there can either be positive or negative. If they think about their own sacrifice as being the cause of their self-destruction from a health perspective, they could get bitter about it. 
And if you get negative and bitter, that leads to more and more negativity. And then that leads to someone else being to blame, i.e. the damn husband or the damn kids or, you know, and there's some there, there's some, you know, unconscious retribution that, that is wanted, which is a terrible way to go. And that's going to that usually leads to real problems. So what do you do to get them revitalized again? So specifically. Yeah. So number one is to understand the issue. So you you have been a wonderful woman for for doing these things. Second thing is now let's I, I like what I say is I meet you where you are. I don't care where you are. I will meet you if you're down in the gutter. I'll meet you. I'll come in the gutter with you, and we'll pull you out. Okay. So don't be don't be too hard on yourself. It's, it's no one is 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 beyond help. Number one is acceptance in a positive light, and then two, we meet you where you are. And specifically, from I know from a physician's perspective, you would want to know. So we do an evaluation. You know, where is your cortisol levels? How stressed out are you really? Are you on the verge of a nervous breakdown and you don't even know it? You know, is your are, you, are your adrenal glands about to shut down and you know, and you'll go into adrenal fatigue, which is the, the precursor to what, what is quoted a nervous breakdown. A nervous breakdown is simply the, your body shutting down. It has had enough. Okay. And, and these things can, can cause real damage. Uh, PTSD is another one where your system, your sympathetic nervous system goes completely haywire and does not know how to stop. And PTSD can be deadly, as you know. So, you know, I've, I've literally seen women, housewives, with PTSD, we can turn it around. We have to meet you where you are. So we start there with the evaluation and all the, the what I call the pillar, my, you know, bonds, pillars of health, you know, are, are the things I've listed. So stress management, sleep, hydration, um, macronutrition, micronutrition, most importantly, exercise. Exercise is God's medicine that within our muscles, we have bioactive chemicals that bind receptors in our brain. So why would God or the universe or whatever you believe in have these, these in, what we call endogenous morphines called endorphins. And most people have, most people have had, have had a natural high at some point in their life. Uh, whether it was watching the birth, birth of your first child or, or watching your daughter get married or, or feeling just amazingly proud at your, at your son's championship, you're not taking in any exogenous chemicals. But if you've ever been so happy that you cried and felt numb all over, well, that's, that's called endorphins. And God put that in your muscles, specifically in your muscles. And so there's, there's unquestionable evidence that exercises of all types that cause stretching of muscles, big contractions and relaxations of muscles, release these endorphins. Some of your audience may be runners, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it actually has a name, the runner's high. And so runners will experience almost a, almost a transcendent type of, of spiritual uh, meditation at certain points uh, in their running careers. And there's, it's been written about and talked about. So, you know, that, that to me is in my practice and the way I approach people, that is absolutely number one on my list is exercise. And I actually try to employ a process by which we can objectively measure what they're doing in that regard. And so I do what's called VO2 max testing. And so if I have someone who's in the gutter and, you know, she is really struggling, if her body's even able to perform it, you know, if, if she has some reserve left, I might do that as a baseline and then say, we're going to do this again in a year, but we're going to work on your hormones and your nutrition and your stress and time management. I mean, there's a lot of things in this. 
getting you back to being you. And as we do that, we're going to retest and objectively measure. I know you're going to tell me you feel better. And I know I have patients that tell me we've saved their marriage and they're forever grateful. And this is, this is just unbelievable. And that's great. And I love that. And that drives me. That connection drives me. That passion. That they see what I see and what I've seen. But even beyond that, I want to show them. I want to have a piece of paper that I can show them. Here's where you were on your VO2 max, which, by the way, is the number one. There is nothing else. No medicine, no surgery, no, no prayer, no meditation. Nothing is more predictive of a person's lifespan and longevity of life than VO2 max. Can you elaborate on what VO2 max is? What is yes, that? Yes, yes. So it's, a, it's called an exercise stress test, but it's done in a way that you are constantly real-time measuring by the patient wearing a mask. You're measuring the amount of oxygen that they're taking in and CO2 they're blowing out. And that, the, the amount of, of air that you can both ventilate, actually move, move through your lungs, um, and then oxygenate. So there's the V is ventilation, the O is oxygenation. And the amount that your lungs can trade CO2 out and bad stuff out for more good oxygen in is, is, has been directly correlated with the longevity of life. And so there, there's a genetic test called a telomere test. We do that as well. That's also associated with longevity, but nothing is as predictive, sensitive, and specific for a lifespan than VO2 max testing. So if you're not doing that, Anne, you should do it. I think I have to learn from you. Yeah. So I'm so excited about all these things you can maximize the patient to live their best life. Where can they find you? So I'm down in Louisiana, and of course I see patients from all over the country, all over the world. In fact, you know, I see patients from China and Australia, and it's hard for, for us physicians sometimes to toot our own horns. But, but you know, um, as you know, I speak spoken internationally all over the world in multiple countries and on stem cells and regenerative medicine. And so I've gotten patients from those countries in China and Hong Kong and Australia and Argentina and Peru and Venezuela. But I can be found in Louisiana. And my website is www.totalcare-la.com. And I also have a, another regenerative medicine website, but there, it's all linked from through Total Care, which is my, my well, the wellness uh, practice that I started back in 2007. Well, great. Before we end, what would be your number one advice that you give most often to your patient that you want them to take heart and do you think that will make a big difference in their quality of life and living their best life? Yeah. So the, the question of living my best life has to come from a, from a purpose, a known source, whether that source is God, the universe, your own intention, your own uh, inner self and conscious. The truth is, is you have to have a seed for that purpose, that best life. So I know what my I know what my purpose is. It was given to me at 10 years old, and I'm, I'm doing my best to live it. But am I living my best life? Well, probably not as well as I should, because I too am infected with the virus, this American syndrome. And so, if there was one thing I could say to to your audience about that, that could really hit home to them is two things. Number one, you only you can figure out what your best life is, but that has to be given to you. It has to be given to you by God or by the universe or whatever you most dearly believe in. Because the ego, right, your own personality, your own mind may just be self-absorbed. And that's why you're on the track you're on. That's why you're running so hard and you're the rat on the wheel. And sometimes you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. Right. And, and along with that, you know, the marriage in the Emma in the, the, the image in the mirror, most unfortunately, doesn't lie. 
So when you stand there naked as a jaybird and look in the mirror, do you like what you see? Because if you don't, you only have you to blame. That's a little bit harsh, but it's reality. And so if you want to make positive changes in your life, it has to start with you. So living your best life starts by, number one, knowing who you are. And then number two, not knowing who you want to be, but knowing who you're supposed to be. Because if, if you're doing that, there's no way you can't be fulfilled. There's no way you won't be happy and passionate about what you're doing because that's who you are. That's the natural you, the real you, the, the you that the universe has intended. Okay. So please think about that as, as you listening to this podcast right now, you may be driving down the road. Well, the question is, who are you and not who you want to be? or who society wants you to be, but who you're, you're supposed to be. What's your purpose here? Because once you figure that out, then every door will be opened. The river will flow naturally. And what you realize is when doors are closed to you, well, that's just your ego trying to bang through something that it wanted to do. That's not what the universe had intended for you. And so I think life becomes a lot easier when when you realize, hey, who does Tommy Bond want to be? Well, I want to be a fantastic husband and a wonderful father. And I want to be continue helping people live their best lives. Well, thank you. That was so informative. And I'm so honored to have Dr. Tommy Bond with me today. Tell us one more time how we can contact you and what's your website and your phone number again. Yes. So the website is www.totalcare, one word, T-O-T-A-L-L-A.com. And my personal email is just drbond at that website. If someone has a specific question or if someone might be listening to this and they may be in Oklahoma and they're nowhere near Louisiana or Virginia, maybe you email me and I could say, well, wait a second. I know of a real good practitioner in in Little Rock, Arkansas or, you know, so so we have a network. This is a a real network of people that are passionate about what we do. And the, the passion comes from wanting to help people get better. So. Website, totalcare-la.com, phone number, area code 337-264-7209. Thank you very much. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by the Trong Rehabilitation Center. Visit Dr. Ann Trong at trongrehab.com. That's T-R-U-O-N-G rehab.com. Or call her today at 540-374-3164. That's 540-374-3164.